0: Everybody, everybody, everybody. Drop your buff your your Drop your
1: Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross.
2: I'm Evan Roskatz.
1: And it's our annual end of year tree mailbag roundup where we get to hear from you. I think our last one was the end of 2021, or it was the very, very beginning of 2022. But let's make this an annual tradition because it's fun to bounce around topics, hear what's on your mind. Not everything's about Survivor. It doesn't have to be. It can be about anything. So... This time, we've got a little bit of a mixed bag. We've got some Survivor questions. We've got some White Lotus questions. And we've got some Traders UK questions, which I'm very excited to get to. And one Traders US question. So very excited for that. Should we just get into it, Evan? Is there anything you want to – is there anything on your mind? <laughs> <laughs> besides besides what we were talking about
2: off mic? Um, well, no, but I will just say before we get into it, I mean, I'm just really like – I really am grateful for this podcast and I'm grateful that we have a listenership that wants to send in questions. And I just feel like people have been so like, we have this fabulous little community. Like when we do our little emojis after the recaps and it's just really fun to feel like we, uh, that there's other people out there that are listening and engaging with the content. I mean, we make this not for one another, we make this for you all. And so it's fun that we're able to, you know, obviously we appreciate the, the likes and the um, the ratings on the podcast, all that's all lovely. But just even stuff like the emojis or these voice memo collins, it's it heartens us to know that it's not just Sean and myself out there listening to this survivor stuff.
1: Yeah, it's nice to get feedback. It's nice that people care to send in questions and hear what we have to think uh, or have to say. It still blows my mind a little bit. And this podcast is only like a year and a half. Old yeah. and I think that all the goals that I had for this year for the podcast have been exceeded, and I'm like our December has been our biggest month ever, and you know we've launched the Patreon this year. If you're not there, you're missing out. We're about to put up our latest Borneo <laughs> recap. Uh, it's very fun on the Patreon because we let our hair down and, and we don't have to we think do. about who might be listening.
2: We do. We're allowed to share some opinions that we would not. That's actually like one of the virtues of the Patreon. Not just with our podcast, but in general, it's like, you think about how much stuff has to be buttoned up in, in everyday podcasting when there's, you know, when it's tied to something like a survivor or something. So it's nice to be able to say like what we really think sometimes, but that said, I have to say shout out to anyone who's left any feedback that is coming from my negativity on Modern Survivor. I genuinely appreciate it. Sean and I love to share the comments that are dragging one of us more often than not me. Um, I genuinely appreciate it. Like, listen, I to they say if you know better, you do better. I don't necessarily think I'm not doing well when I criticize the thing that <laughs> I love, but but I hear it and it does reframe the way I think about, you know, my approach to talking about the show. I still yeah. don't like Modern Survivor. You're not gonna convince me. But I do understand the argument of like, if you're gonna hop on the mic every week and talk about it, you gotta find a rose within the thorns. And I hear Mm. that. Mm -hmm,
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. A
2: lot of thorns.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, lucky for you, there's no Survivor 43 questions here. (laughs) There's some Survivor 43 adjacent questions, some new era questions, but we'll get to those. Let's jump straight into it with uh, a general question about Survivor. Hi, Sean and Evan, this is Jake.
3: Um, I have a pretty basic question, but which was your favorite survivor location? So, I mean, I feel like it's pretty obvious to everybody that it's China, but I'm curious if you all had any thoughts. Um,
2: I guess you could almost separate it into like beach versus non-beach because there's been so many beach locations, Um, in which case I think my favorite beach would maybe be Palau. But anyway, curious to know your thoughts.
1: Happy holidays. Okay. Favorite survivor locations.
2: So first of all, happy holidays. Um, I'm aligned. Like China definitely comes to mind immediately. And I think you made a really perceptive point in the fact that like, yeah, it's pretty much like beaches and then alternative locations. And then even within some of those beaches, you know, you mentioned Palau, which is used in several seasons, Samoa, which is used, I think in like four seasons. So there's, it's hard to really parse out besides the ones that are like, so obviously different, I'm gonna say I really loved Australian Outback. I don't think that they got the result that they wanted from it, but I like that that early on in the franchise, they were willing to take something that was already like working so well from a ratings perspective and flip it on its head entirely and try something entirely new. There was no reason for them to do that. They'd established the relationship with, you know, um, the production team over in Borneo. And I just think how easy would it have been just to to be like, let's go and do this exact same thing again. And I like the fact that not only did they choose somewhere else, but they choose somewhere so specific. Um, So Australian Outback would come to mind. And then I, and, and again, sometimes I don't know how much this is tainted by my love of the season, but I just, I really love the Amazon.
1: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that one's an interesting one because it's so different and it's so different that it's in the jungle. And I guess Guatemala is kind of like that, but I think Guatemala is one of their worst locations just in terms of the climate. But I did love that Guatemala had like them living among ruins, basically. That's a cool aspect to it. Um, But ultimately the environment made it made them so lethargic and unable to do anything and they couldn't go in the water uh but i I have to say i mean hands down to echo your point it's australian outback uh i don't agree necessarily that it didn't lead to what they wanted it to lead to i think they got some really great moments it's not it's, it's, it's actually technically not the outback where they were um it's a bit of a stretch to call it the outback it's actually called something else i don't remember what but it is a really, really unique location. And we had those great moments with like there was the flood and then the fires. Mm-hmm. And there was just like a lot of environmental aspects that were brought into that season. And I think having them on that sort of like dinky little river was interesting. And it provided interesting dynamics in terms of like you got that great scene with Jerry and Colby laying in the water because it was this just really shallow kind of river. Oh, yeah. um so i love that one i also like token Sheens as a non-beach location uh, because it was interesting it was it was desert-esque uh in a similar way to the outback and that was fun and it had that great exile island yes. i think in terms of beaches like not to sound basic as hell but like i love borneo i love borneo and it's not just the beaches that i love because I love that the two beaches were very different, so the tribes had very different feels to them. So the Toggy Beach was sort of a shallow, traditional-style survivor beach, where the Pagan one was this big sort of open area, and it led to all kinds of things at the Pagan camp, including like where are they going to put their shelter and they put it too close to the water and then they had to move it and all of that drama. Um, and, but then I really loved all of the extra locations because I felt like they really played with the environment in that one where they had the sand spit and you know, they went into the jungle for some things. They had the mud pit. Uh, Mm -hmm. And to that end, I also really love Marquesas because you had that great beach that had the uh, waterfall and sort of like swimming area inside the jungle. Loved that.
2: Yeah. And I think like, for instance, you know, you have Borneo, you have the mud pit that they all play together in when they put the clay on themselves and Marquesas when they're all playing in the waterfall. I feel like having those sorts of areas where a tribe can go together and just sort of like hang out and really enjoy the fact that they're in the great outdoors can really be critical to like tribal bonding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, also we gotta shout out Gabon. Um, I fucking love Gabon. I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but just when you get, I think it's Ace is doing a talking head and all of a sudden the giant elephant comes behind him. I just feel like you just don't get moments like that ever again. I think it's so epic. And I love the fact that it's epic both from the viewer perspective and then ace in realizing what is going on. So I definitely love Gabon. And I do think Gabon had some really, really fun challenges that utilize the environment really Mm -hmm. well. And then the other one I have to give a shout out to, and I know you're not there yet, Sean, but... The Samoan beach because of the Survivor Australia season one finale, which by the way, Survivor Australia season one, and I believe all of Survivor Australia takes place in Samoa. Sean, can you fact check me?
1: Well, except for the ones that take place in the Outback.
2: Got it. Okay. Ooh, looking forward to that. Um, But as a result of what happens in the final challenge, Uh it is a strong um, uh, reason for the season to get into Samoa
1: well like no spoilers but um i've seen that location in other seasons so
2: but i don't know if you've seen what I guess happens I at that location in this moment <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean i'll just say i think i know like i don't i don't know what you're talking about but i think i know what you're talking about mm-hmm. and i i i know i certainly know the location you're talking about uh-huh okay anyways yeah Cause you, know, I, you uh, don't want to spoil for me and I don't want to spoil for you, but there are things coming up in future seasons.
4: Yeah,
3: no, I get it.
1: That period. But Australia is very good at taking advantage of the landscape. Yes. They do have like, they do have those, they do have that really plain sort of open fields that they do challenges in. Don't love that, but there are other ones. Like they do a really cool planking challenge. That's over kind of like a river in a couple of seasons. Um, and then, I don't know. They do great water challenges. What I really love about the Palau Beach is that they use the Palau Beach in Palau and Micronesia, at least, if not others. And it's at that Palau Beach that in Palau they do one of my all-time favorite challenges, Hot Pursuit, which is also in Australian Survivor Season 1. And they do it in that little like there's a little bay and it's shallow water because you have to have like it needs to be like shin depth, knee depth, so yeah, that it just there slows has be a you side down to can enough. Run on. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's a little inlet and it, there is sort of like a, a rock wall to one side and then trees to the other side. So I really like that location as a challenge location. It's interesting to see how they utilize the landscape for challenges, which is something I just don't think they do anymore. Um, they've got their places in Fiji. The one I do like in the modern seasons is when they do that challenge, the, they have the challenge area they rarely use, which is like up on top of a mountain. So they did the um, summation challenge, the one where they drop the balls into the spinning spheres. It, at the end of 42, they did it up there. Um, I do like that location, but eh.
5: That's fine.
1: Okay. Okay, let's move on to the next question.
5: I'm catching up right now in a really old Drop Your Buffs episode, the interview, the interview with Richard Hatch. And in talking about um, Rudy, Evan is sort of trying to make the argument that Rudy was a good player of Survivor and like he never hears people now saying, oh, they want to play like Rudy. And then Richard is saying that Rudy was a terrible Survivor player. And I was sort of hooked in that moment because Richard started saying something about how like the the defining feature of a good Survivor player is not how long they last in the game. But then... You guys just changed the subject. He didn't. He didn't say what was the hallmark of a good Survivor player, and I'm so fascinated. I'm so curious about what Richard Hatch and maybe what you guys think makes a good Survivor player, if not the ability to last. Because Richard starts saying how like. Russell Hands, for example, lasts in the game, but he's not a good Survivor player.
1: Okay. Okay, drag us, first drag of
2: Drag us, and rightfully so. Hold on, let's do this. Hey Richard, I have a question for you. We are currently recording a mailback episode of Drop Your Buffs, and someone <laughs> called in and mentioned the fact that When you were on the podcast, I was making the argument that Rudy is a great survivor player and you were countering that and stating why you didn't think so. And you started to say the hallmark of a great survivor player is, and then stupidly I cut you off. And so I'm wondering, can you leave a voice memo right now, finishing the sentence of what you believe to be the hallmark of a great survivor player? Thank you so much. Happy holidays.
1: Okay. Love that. We will
2: see. Yeah, we will see what we can do. Boots on the ground here. Um, but first of all, it's funny. here, I love the articulation of uh, Evan was trying to make the argument that Rudy <laughs> is a great survivor player. Not Evan was. Evan was trying to. Drag me. Um, which, by the way, I might reconsider <laughs> my own stance in hearing that back right now. Um, but Sean, why don't you go first? What do you consider to be the hallmark of a great survivor player?
1: Well, I love this question because it comes... Th- this is an old question. Some of these questions, I should say, date back to our last... Tr- Tree mailbag episode where people were responding to things we talked about a year ago. So some of these are kind of older. This one's a little bit older. And I will say that when it came in, I was like, oh yeah, Brody wasn't a good survivor player. I flipped on that in the rewatch of Survivor Borneo because I feel like he did pretty well. And as we talked about in our interview with Richard, had he made it to the end, he would have won. Does that not make him a good survivor player? I mean, you could say the same about Gabler in 43. He kind of, I don't know, stumbled his way through the game week by week, but in the end, he ended up winning. We have another question about deserving winners coming up um, and what that means. But, But it's like, I think, because later in the conversation with Richard Hatch, he talked about that, uh, I think he kind of hinted at what his answer might be, which was adaptability, the ability to adapt to whatever situation is presented to you. And on re-watching Survivor Borneo, I have to say that Rudy is a great example of being able to adapt to your environment and the people around you because he came in not wanting an alliance, having nothing in common with any of these people, and yet he ends up, getting into the only alliance in the game, uh, surviving right up until the final three, having a final two deal with the eventual winner, uh, a final two deal which had Richard or Rudy been forced to follow through with that final two deal, Rudy would have won. And so I think that what Richard was getting at was that Rudy had no strategic acumen whatsoever But I would push back on that because Rudy Mm. saw the necessity to join the Alliance even though he didn't want to. He understood what was going to happen. That is strategy. And granted, strategy wasn't in Season 1 what it is today. But Rudy played with the strategy that he was handed in Season 1 and I think he did like a pretty good job of it. So I push back on Richard in this case.
2: Yes, you're on my side. Um, I agree with you. I think adaptability is certainly you know, a key tenet of how to play the game at any stage, you know, whether it be season 41 or season four star. Um, so I definitely concur. I'm really fascinated. I always will be by the conversation of deserving winners. And I think it's something that we really got into in our interview with the in talking about her like less than flashy game and the way that like the fandom tends to remember flashy players even why thinking about rob mariano who didn't really have any gameplay in marquesas but was a really great character that people were eager to see back in the game or even thinking about tyson in token chains no one remembers tyson as like a player of the game in token chains they were like this weirdo tyson is super interesting television and i think a lot of like the, I don't want to call them less smart fans. That's honestly not what I mean, but like the fans that are watching it with a little bit more smoother of brains, um, they want the big (laughs) characters on the show. They're not really thinking about uh, their idea of the strategist I think is more centered around personality than they might be conscious of. But I think I always come back to like the Amber in All Stars win. And I think that was the first instance I mean, I guess you could perhaps say Tina in some senses, but again, like, Tina's win was given to her by someone else's bad move. And so the other conversation to have in in all of this is how many good players making bad moves, uh, how many examples of that are there in the game, you know? I mean, like, you know, you often wonder, like, what happens if Russell would have, like, repivoted his game towards the back half of the game and curried himself some favor with those jurors, you know, you can turn people's opinions about you around. You can, I mean, we've had it happen in countless seasons where someone starts off really rough. Um, Survivor Australia season one, and that, that definitely, that's the case. Um, not to over-reference, but so I, I I will continue to be fascinated by the conversation. I don't think there is a blueprint or a one-size-fits-all within this conversation, but it is really fascinating and then in addition to the general fascination the way that like we look back on these winners right so it's like we're able to look at someone like Vesepia now with a different not you and i but i think the general fandom with a different regard same thing with earl um and then also like when you only get a single go with with someone's gameplay it's very different than someone like a Cochran who, well, that's a stupid example. Why are we talking about Cochran? <laughs> um, but someone like a Sophie, for instance, who you have two games to look at, or Parvati, where you can really examine four different strategies within the game versus someone like Vesepia, who was on one time in a very different year of Survivor. So, yeah, that's what I got to say about that.
0: Okay. Let's go to the next question. Hey, Sean and Evan, my name's TJ. My unsung... Survivor player is Tracy Hughes-Wolf from Micronesia. And my question, or sort of point, is we talk a lot about deserving winners and the right winners versus wrong winners, and I think the most famous example of that is obviously Parvati and Heroes versus Villains. To me, the right winner of a season would win their final tribal. And for a player like Parvati to get to that final tribal and... Not only lose, but lose six to three is a pretty clear indication that she's not the right, quote unquote, right winner, even though she may or may not deserve it. And we see players like that, Aubrey and Michelle. Aubrey lost five to two. I just think that it's sort of bizarre when someone who has the opportunity to win doesn't and then still is viewed as the right or robbed winner. What do you think?
1: Okay, I guess I thought this question was a little later, but this follows up nicely on our last discussion. But And this is great timing, I think, with Gabler's win, because we didn't really have this conversation on our finale recap, I think because we didn't have the stomach to. But I wonder, because there is a lot of conversation right now about Cassidy being the deserving winner of Survivor 43, and whether that's true or not. I've always been in the camp of the winner of the season deserves to win the season whether i like it or not and i do still feel that way i mean there are reasons that you can point to as to why these people didn't win sugar is another great example of gabon i mean she was the game player of that season Mm -hmm. and and played from sort of Played with her back against the wall, I would say, not from the bottom, but um, with her back against the wall that people hated her and wanted her out and yet she made it to the end. But because of that, they weren't willing to vote for her. And I think Survivor Historians always says this well in that when it comes down to it, people need to feel comfortable voting for you because they need to feel, they need to accept the fact that they beat you. And if your relationship in the game is such that they can't accept you beating them they won't vote for you and therefore you're not a deserving winner i think that's a cassidy is a great example of that i mean we are seeing ongoing drama between carla and cassidy online are we oh my god did i not send you the no (laughs) well evan you got to keep a closer eye on the drop your buffs instagram stories because i I can't babysit you like this yeah um (laughs) Uh, yeah, somebody tweeted at Cassidy and said, I need Cassidy and Carla to become besties again. And Cassidy tweeted back, no. <laughs> 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 so uh, a little ongoing drama. And then I think Carla's posted some cryptic things, like some, you know, like dated memes, like... I don't know her and stuff like that's, you know.
2: Oh, like I did see creative, Carla but. post. The, I don't know her. And yeah. I didn't know the context. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, you know, uh, favors the idea of, you know, the necessity of a reunion.
1: Yeah, truly, truly.
2: It's like, why are we hashing this out on twitter.com? Why is Elon Musk profiting when it could be Jeff? Post? <laughs>
1: exactly exactly so i don't know I, I think i still do feel that way obviously uh things went down between uh it, well for for every one of these players i mean, like people weren't comfortable letting poverty win heroes versus villains because of her relationship with russell and i don't think Parvati really had a lot that she could have done to get out of that um and i don't think the Even if she had turned on Russell at some point towards the end, I don't think she would have made it to the final tribal after that. So I feel like she was kind of between a rock and a hard place. I feel like there are certain situations where really, really strong game players who we, the audience, really like don't necessarily have the relationships or are in a position that they can never actually foster those relationships that they're going to need to win the season.
2: Yeah, Sorry, can you explain what the question is asking, just so I understand? uh it's like, it's, it's, I, it seems, he's more making a point than a question, right? Yeah. In, okay, the, okay. in the iconic
1: words of Suhawk, he had no questions, <laughs> just statements.
2: Okay. 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 So here, yeah, I hear what he's saying. I have nothing really to add. I mean, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I do think, though, there, one, like, I have nothing <laughs> to add, but I will add. Um, I do think about the situation in Micronesia and how much suri very likely would have won mm. had the circumstance allowed a final three. And so there are times where it's like, I, I'm not a big fan of like the conversation around deserve it, didn't deserve. Like the idea that there are people out here like that want to expend energy on like the fact that Cassidy should have won Survivor 43. It's like, you know, I wish I had that sort of time in life. Um, but I do think in the instances <laughs> of, of like Micronesia, it's like, okay, there is an argument to be made that like, the game design for that specific season, you know, gave us the the quote unquote wrong winner. and I don't think necessarily that that's the case, but I'm willing to entertain that conversation for that specific season or thinking about Ciri's exit and game changers. Yeah.
6: yeah.
1: Okay, let's move on.
6: So, if you could pick any pre-merged person from seasons 41 through 43 to come back for All-Stars, who would you pick and why? Also, to add to it, to give my own answer, I would pick Jenny Kim from season 42. I feel like she was dealt a really bad card, and I think that she had a lot of game to play. So, I would want to see her play again.
1: Evan is Googling
6: Jenny Kim
1: at the moment. Well, I'm getting
2: Jenny Kim, the K-pop star. So, I'm having... Okay. Oh! Oh! Oh, okay. Okay, I hear that. Um, Who comes to mind for me... Sydney from 41 comes to mind for me. Um,
1: is, that's her name, Okay, right? yeah. She's yeah. technically pre-merged because she didn't earn the merch.
2: Yeah, and uh, I liked her chaos, and I feel like I, I, I she had an older school quality about her.
1: Um, she had villain potential.
2: Yeah, so Sydney comes to mind, and then I'm not going to remember her. Oh, yeah, yes, I will. And then Ellie from season 43. I feel like Ellie was sort of given the dum dum edit, which is partly by her own doing, which is that she was like playing way too hard, but I think that and I've said this already, it's like I think Ellie would do better in a larger tribe. Um I think that she just stood out too much for her gameplay because of the six tribe setup, but I definitely would love to see how Ellie would recalibrate her game given what she knows about how she played the first time. What about Okay,
1: you? so both of your picks are at the merge, didn't technically make the merge votes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, okay, so I was trying to remember who's been on this show, <laughs> and I'm looking at a list. Uh, I, I mean, I I do think that there's like something to be said about Justine from this current season.
2: Yeah, and and there's a lot of fan love for Justine.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's just high, actually. Okay. I'm interested to see Zach from 42 again. I thought that he had like a weird Uh sort of energy and I liked it. And then from 41, I would love to see Voce. Uh, I think Voce would be my all-time pick just because he's literal crush. I think he's so cute. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of interesting in that I when I first – saw him on the screen i thought i wouldn't like him and then i kind of grew to like him and he was seemed to have been cast as the strategic mastermind and kind of went down in flames yeah Um, but i would be interested to see what he would do coming back
2: also um tori from 41 i feel like would be someone Uh, is tori
1: a pre-merge sorry tori from 41 tori from 42 no,
2: Tori from 42. Yes. Sorry. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if she's pre merged. Sorry. Maybe not then. I was just looking at the calendar. No, she's, like she's
1: firmly feel. in the merge. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, sorry. That's Tori another girl. season. Okay. Let's go on. To was the next. Lydia merge? Lydia was merged. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. She, oh, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Lydia was in the same spot as Ellie and Sydney, of like, Merge boot, but not merge boot. Icons only. Hello. I actually can't stand Sydney, but uh, but I see the potential as a cast member. Yeah, like
2: I'm all about having players that I can't stand. Yeah, okay.
6: Hey, Sean and Evan, this is Bellamy. You both have recently talked about how you really are wanting a themed returning player season to reignite your interest in the show. My question is, what would be your ideal theme that you'd like for them to do? And which returning players would you hope would come back for that theme?
1: Can I play another question that's somewhat related to this as well? No. Well, <laughs> I've got the mouse.
2: Hi, guys. Um, I am Anna, and I wanted to know if you think Survivor should or would ever do a rivals season and if they would who do you think would be on that season or who would you want to see on that season as iconic rivals okay Okay. well first of all oh you
1: go ahead no no by all means
2: I was gonna say thank you Bellamy thank you Anna for these questions I love this question I've got a lot of thoughts okay so I have three that I want to throw out First would be, I would love to see Survivor US versus Survivor Australia Mm. with Jonathan and Jeff co-hosting together. I think it would be absolutely epic. I think it would be really fun to explore different aspects of the game. So for instance, like trying out the 55 day, is that how long it is in Australia? Yeah, it it bounces around. Okay, well like trying that out with the American cast because even the you know, soul survivors back in the old, back in the old days. Um, they, the 55 would still be a long haul for them. I just think there's a lot of different elements that you could combine from both shows. And obviously it would just be fun to see the, how the different sensibilities play out. That's one. Two, I would love to see a blood versus water that split into four tribes and their families. It's the brother on one tribe, the sisters on one tribe, the moms on one tribe and the fathers on the other
1: tribe. And so you what, get, one of them is a returning player.
2: No, no, no. These are all, maybe. That wasn't, I mean, I was thinking it could be all new players. Well, but we spam- have another
1: question about new player season. Okay,
2: sorry. So this is only returning Hang players? On to that. Returning okay. players, yeah. Okay, but I, okay, okay. So I'll hold on yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, okay. So that is one. <laughs> and then wait, I had another one as well. Oh, then I would also like to see a season that brings together. Um, All-stars from four different seasons on Tribe. So, for instance, five cast members from China on one Tribe. Mm. Five cast members from Token Chains. So, basically, it allows people that have played the game before to make the choice of, do we want to play it again together? I mean, they're going to be forced to in the beginning... Or do we want to jump ship? And so, to your question, Anna, about the rival season, I think you could integrate some of those rivalries into this by bringing back two players from a season to play again together.
1: Interesting. I like that idea. It's complicated. Like it, it would be a complicated sell, I think, to yeah. a casual audience. But I yeah. like the idea a lot. Yeah. Um. I like the. I've always liked the idea of bringing back sort of similar to that a whole tribe. Like there were certain whole tribes you could bring back. I know it's like too much to ask to bring back an entire season, but I do love this idea of like what would happen if we did this again. Um, And so it would be really cool to have like a couple of like iconic tribes or like, you know, take all the fans from Micronesia and just let them have another go. Not that I want to see those people back, but like it could be interesting. Uh, But I would say duos. I think iconic duos would be great. Or uh, you could even pair that with rivals, like duos versus rivals or something like that, where the rivals are forced to come together because this other tribe is made up of duos who played the game together. Um, or it's just duos, and there's sp- the, the duos are obviously split into two different tribes, so right. they're not playing with each other from the start.
2: But I do think it's interesting, the idea of like having the duos playing together. There is something about, there's strength in terms of the show in separating and in keeping together like Mm -hmm, i sort of mm -hmm. like both concepts because i like the idea of like multiple like having to keep someone safe that you actually have the power to keep safe Mm -hmm. whereas like the whole thing with like san juan del sur for instance is like you have no idea what's going to happen to your loved one you can't control it at all until the merge but i guess that's kind of interesting right because it's like there is a point at which you suddenly if they can make it to a certain place I did want to mention, though, I do think rivalries is tricky because some of the real rivalries of this show, you wouldn't be able to do again because of the complication. So, for instance, I'm thinking specifically of Richard and Sue. You would not be able to have play out uh, Courtney and Jean Robert. So I think... um, the reason why some of these rivalries are rivalries is because, like, they need to stay rivalries and not in, like, a fun, like, let's hash it out kind of way. So it gets tricky because when you start to think of, okay, well, then who could we bring back for the rivalries? The
1: rivalries don't feel so intense.
2: Another idea to throw out is... Well, wait ex- a
1: second. Wait a second. Because I've got some I've got some rivalries. We can okay, give me one. That are just more like chill. So, like, I mean, I'm I'm going to say it again. Abby, Maria, and RC.
2: Okay, I yeah, think it's yeah. a shame that Arcee's Yes, back. yes. But I think that, like, that would scratch, like, a specifically drop-your-buffs-esque audience itch. But, like, mm-hmm. I don't think the fandom is going to be, like, waving their sashes to see, like, <laughs> RC and Abby Maria back in the room. Well,
1: no, because you could always bring... Like, I don't know if they would ever bring Russell back, but I'm almost ready. I think, like, Russell and Sandra... Or okay. Russell and anybody. I think there's lots of people like a Russell and like a Shambo even because that. Yeah, but the problem is, it's apart. like how can Russell play the game again?
2: Because I think it would happen exactly what played out on 23, which is that like you're not going to let Russell advance in the game. No, but you know. But it's like, what about bringing in a Russell and a Tony? And like, if you've got enough of those big personalities in there, that could be interesting.
1: Um, Cass and Spencer is another rivalry. I don't remember. I don't need. <laughs> you don't remember? Cast 0% chance of winning the game. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Jesus
2: Christ. <laughs> um, okay, so other ideas. I just like I'm thinking in the moment here. I mean but Tyson and
1: Sierra. Okay, sorry. C- continue.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm all about I like a, the idea of a third chances is something I'm really interested mm. in, especially when someone came back for a second chance and was out early. Um, and there are even people I don't like that I would like to see play the game ala Karin. Corinne. Again, not a fan of Corinne, but I am a fan of Chaos. And I think that's an ingredient that's specifically missing from present Survivor. So that's something that's on my mind. I would like a specifically old school versus new school season where we literally yeah. firmly make the line season yeah. 20. But I think you would get a more satisfying version of what we wanted from Winners at War, which was the idea of like, how do these people, that especially those that have never played with an idol or didn't play with idols their first time out, how do they adjust to the new game? Interestingly enough, though, you know, like I was talking to Denise this morning and it's like, I was thinking it's like, she's not an old school player. <laughs> Wait, Why are you I laughing? was
1: talking to Denise this morning.
2: I don't get it.
1: Well, it's just funny. Oh, okay. It's a funny name drop.
2: <laughs> I didn't think of it that were
1: way. You, were you talking to Denise this morning? I mean, I know you were, but. <laughs>
2: I was talking to Denise this morning, my friend Denise. Um, I was at her wedding. Uh, just kidding. Um, I was talking to my friend Denise this morning, my friend. I was talking to my bestie Denise this morning and I was thinking it's like, she's what season 25. And it's like, is that old school or new school? By my metric, she would be old school, but that's a pretty, you know, that's not. I don't know. It's like, we're getting to the I think point now it, where it's... It has th- to be
1: old school, middle school, and new school. It so then do, do, So
2: I'm fine with that, but then I need three tribes of eight. Yeah. So then yeah. Would, it, would you do seasons one through 15, 16
1: to 30, 31 to 43, no, or no, 42, no, 43? No, no, no. Or 42, 43? Old would be one to 20. I mean, one to 19, technically, because 20 is a returnee. Mm-hmm. I would do one to 20. It, it wouldn't be even, right? Okay. So it'd be like 1 to 20, 21 to f- 31, and then 32 to 44, f- whatever it is. Listen,
2: as long as Michael Yerger's there,
1: I'm good. Okay. Did you pre order his uh, book of photography?
2: I didn't, but I will tell you, I was out to dinner last night with a former booker for Watch What Happens Live, and they asked Michael Yerker if he would bartend on Watch What Happens Live years ago, and Michael Yerker turned it down. Wow. Isn't that so odd? Wow. It's like, I would think that that man would take any attention he can get, and you would think that like being a hot bartender on Watch What Happens Live is like the, a great way to get people to Google you and then perhaps convert that into OnlyFans subscribers. Totally. And he turned it down.
1: Since you brought up OnlyFans, can I share the news that I came across today? (laughs) Because my job was on the floor when I was doing my... (laughs) Maybe his was too. (laughs) When I was doing my daily TikTok scroll today, because I came across an account called Stan Chris. And it is twink who is an OnlyFans gay, he is a YouTube gay, he's an Instagram gay, he has a lot of followers on every platform. His YouTube views are somewhere in like the fifty to 60,000 range, so he's not nobody. And he did uh, actually a couple of these videos on TikTok uh, with the song It's Cuffing Season, and it's sort of like a boyfriend reveal. And I would say, like, look, I don't know how old he is. I would put him somewhere in his mid to late 20s. He's little, he's twinky, and the boyfriend reveal is Brett from Survivor of Millennials versus Gen X. And I was so gagged. I'm still gagged, because first of all, it's like kind of like a well it's not a sexy reveal but there's another one that's a little bit more sexy and i was like that seems so out of character for brett and of course all the comments are like it's like top comment eliza orleans oh my god hi brett um i'm not implying anything with that voice it was like oh my god hi brett um But I was just like kind of gagged, Wait, and then I'm looking I, at another one of the videos. Yeah, I bet you are. And so I'm I'm watching the he has a whole YouTube video about like questions about my boyfriend, and he's answering questions about how he met his boyfriend. And then I find out that this guy has an OnlyFans, and it's like quite popular. And so I don't know because I'm not interested in checking it out. But like one thing leads to another, so it's it suggests to me that. Through association, Brett from Survivor versus Millennials versus Gen X is on OnlyFans as I'm the top. Chuck,
2: how do we find the OnlyFans?
1: Uh, so you have to go to the guy's Instagram. Okay, oh, Jesus. Which I think it's Stan Chris. I mean, Trish Haggerty follows him. Okay, thank God. <laughs> Stan. Chris. Stan Chris, and then you click on his link tree. Uh, and then you go right to the bottom to only stands. Okay, His name yes. on OnlyFans is Twink Stan
2: with two ends for those of you cuz if anyone out there listening to this is willing to subscribe. Okay. Yeah, and no, I can't see anything. Honestly, this is a topic for another day. OnlyFans fucking give us previews. It's ridiculous that we have to buy subscriptions in order to see the content. Totally. It's like that's
1: don't I mean, you they, think that the people they, would be well they have incentivized? to create a Twitter and then they create their own previews but then it's like you have to hunt that down.
2: It's like help a sister out.
1: Watch this space, I guess. Okay. Anyways, let's move on to the next question.
7: Hi Sean and Evan. I'm Sophie. I'm from Edinburgh in Scotland. Love the podcast. It's very validating to hear all of my opinions just articulated so well and so entertainingly back to me. So thank you. Um, my question is, if Survivor ever went back to making themed seasons, and fingers crossed on that, um, what theme for a newbie cast would you want to see? So obviously we all want that legend season. I really want to see Joe Manthi's iconic runners-up idea. But if it was a fresh group of people, what would you love to see? Uh, thanks for making such a great show love you guys oh also before i go um when are you guys going to drop the official drop your buffs season ranking i couldn't agree more that some of the popular ones online are just absolutely cooked and are wrong so um please drop your official ranking soon i'd love to hear it okay bye
1: so i First of all, I just want to say it's coming. I promise. <laughs> wait, we have to insert the Christina Aguilera. <laughs> I,
7: I just want my fans to know that it's coming. I promise, and it's going to be worth the wait.
5: It's still a, a work in progress because I want to make sure I'm very respectful to the creative process, and I don't, I'm not robotic. I can't just um, put things together. It'll be, um, it'll be a body of work that will be timeless.
1: Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, why okay. do you think I said that?
5: Okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> so over on our Patreon, well, this is a broader <laughs> question, but we have done our first round of season rankings. And it actually was pre- pre-season 43, but I'll tell you that's going straight to the bottom. Cool. Um, we've done our first round of sorting. So what we did was we sorted them into top tier, middle tier, and bottom tier. And uh, uh, what we have to do next is go through and then actually rank each of those tiers. So I foresee sort of like three more episodes where we do that. I, I originally envisioned that we we're going to talk about every single season in its own episode. I don't think we can do that. I don't think no. that we have like the bandwidth to really like dive into every season. It's a little much. And I much prefer doing this thing that we're doing with Borneo of actually re- rewatching and recapping a season. So uh, for sure it's coming. I just want it to be perfect for everybody.
2: It's just tough because I don't like doing something half-assed. And my concern, and it will happen, I'm not saying, but, but my concern is that there's just some of those seasons that are so out of mind, out of sight that like for instance, uh, like Palau is a season that I know I loved, but I don't remember much of the specifics, especially in the back half of the season. Um, you know, I remember certain players, but like, uh, so there's just that issue of like, because there's so much to consume, it's like, you know, ranking Buffy seasons or even Drag Race at this point, it's like, it's much easier because I I, I have a, a, a grapple on each season whereas this one it's like it's tough and then even some of the seasons that i think i love i don't remember quite what i love besides the fact that i know i love them
1: yeah i mean i'm ready to rank them <laughs> but i get oh. where, you're, where you're coming from and it feels very final but i do want to rank them it is a patreon exclusive it is for our highest tier right now on patreon so it, it is there and one day we are going to release it uh to the general public and and get our public whipping um but we'll we'll see we'll see we'll get around to it it will come okay the original question was what oh newbie season newbie season themes i have one that i'm obsessed with and it's been an idea of mine for some time now i may have shared it on the podcast before i don't remember but it is survivor small world so they cast people And then they secretly cast people that those people kind of know. And ideally, it would be like uh, uh, an old friend from high school, an ex-boyfriend, people that they like have were in their life at one point, but they've drifted away from. That's, I realize, like a very tall order for survivor casting. And then to also keep that a secret from the original cast member. But uh, it could even just be like a distant relative or something like that, an estranged parent. I feel like you've got a lot of options for them to just like figure this out and you could have a really good reveal. And then will people work together or not? Do they want to see these people? Do they not? Uh, That's an idea I've always really liked, but logistically probably next to impossible.
2: Hmm, Okay, so some ideas I have. Cause they've done dividing by gender, they've done dividing by ethnicity, they've done divided by age. So I think that they could do a gays versus straight season, which I know, okay. like I get how it sounds, but I think it would be iconic.
1: And I gays, don't think straight, it would, trans.
2: I think it would and non-binary. Be, I would do straight cis, and then LGBTQ plus. Okay. Okay. Or maybe, uh, yeah, I I don't think CBS is at a place where we can really, like, (laughs) parse this out. But, like, so that's one thing that comes to mind immediately that would be really, really fun. Going back to my other idea before, finding families of four where it's a mom, dad, brother, sister, and having Mm -hmm. four tribes, one of the moms, one of the dads, one of the sons, one of the daughters. I, I really think that could be really fun, albeit a little bit more challenging on the casting side. Um, I definitely would love to see a season where like everyone has the same occupation. So like a season of like all doctors or all Olympians or something. I I know it's going to be all cops. All cops. I mean, (laughs) I love that. But I just think the idea of like everyone having the same skill set in theory and sort of like how different people are with that skill set, depending on where they come from. That is appealing to me. I mean, I think that, like, more than It would be great if it was,
1: like, all psychics. Love it.
2: I just think the idea of, like, bringing back theme seasons that are interesting on their appeal alone outside of, like, playing the game of Survivor is such a smart way to go. Like, and this is really when you go back to it. With with, um, Cook Islands, it's, like you wouldn't even have to tell people that they're playing the game of Survivor. You could say this is a reality show that has four like four different groupings of people by race and people are inherently going to feel some kind of way about it. Um, and I, I, so I do think that just the idea of themes is so exciting at its core. I just think they've bungled the theme so many times. And I'm not even talking about Cook Islands. I'm saying more like brains, bronze, and beauty, which is because A, it's like, what does that even mean? And then within that, like you're telling me... Sorry, I was gonna. Is this the Patreon? Yeah, don't say it. Okay.
1: No, it's not the Patreon.
2: Okay, so never mind. Um, But you know what? You know what I was gonna say. I know. Okay. Um, You're right. Better not to say. Okay. Um, But yes, but I. But all this to say, I I would be super enthused by themed seasons, and I would even love it if they would like you know, throw out right now, like a poll of like, here are some themed seasons that we're like thinking about. What does the audience want to see? And then maybe like, it's not for a few years where we actually see it play out because I know casting takes a while, but like they're, they're, they're such a savvy fan base and it's like, why not kind of get a feel for uh, Like what we want, interact with us, give us the opportunity to even throw out some ideas. I know they've done that in the past with challenge design, which I think is great. And it's like, do that with theme seasons.
1: There's a survivor casting rumor going around right now that they are I mean they publicly reached out to a big brother player about okay do you know who this person is Winston Hines no he's from big brother 20 that's so weird I watched big brother at that point he was voted out in week three that's wild okay listen to this a casting producer commented on his instagram Hey, Winston, just shot you a message about Survivor. Hit me up if you'd like to schedule a call.
2: Wait, 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 wait. say that again? They
1: commented a casting this. Pro- a casting producer commented that on his Instagram. Because obviously they sent, that, uh, they sent him a DM and he didn't reply to it.
2: Why are they even reaching
1: out to begin with? No idea.
2: I hate this fucking show.
1: Okay, okay, cool. Looking forward to that. Interesting. Okay, let's move on to the next question.
2: Meanwhile, you have these people like James, um, one of our followers, James, his last name is, oh, I should get it right, but who, like, is desperate to be on the show and we be, and has been trying and yeah. trying. James Pascusi. Yeah. Who's been trying and trying and trying, doesn't even get a response, and here this 14th place contestant on Big Brother is getting a Instagram comment.
1: It's Flopped like, once, given another chance. Like, ugh. No.
4: Okay. Let's get to this one. This one's specific. Hi, Sean and Evan. Happy holidays. Love the show. Uh, so. As fellow Amanda Kimmel fans, uh, I hope you understand that one of my favorite Survivor moments of all time is the final six Tribal Council of Micronesia where Amanda idols out Alexis. I think it is just such good TV. It's one of the surprisingly rare times that someone actually plays an idol correctly for themselves. Uh, and I think it's the only time in Survivor where the editors don't actually show us the person who plays the idol finding the idol ahead of time. Uh, so I've just always loved that moment. And I was really you know, surprised and interested in this most recent interview you guys did with Parvati where she says that the Alexis vote out was sort of this, you know, matter of fact thing where they had to vote her out because she had injured herself stealing a sandwich and might be on the verge of getting medevaced. So while that isn't mutually exclusive to what we see on TV, um, it does seem to paint a very like different story around that moment. And I'm just curious, like, what's going on here? Like, this is great detective work. Because
1: poverty said that, and it should have been my job to be like, "Wait, wait, wait," because Alexis went in the Amanda idling out situation, and so what's the truth there? That's a great question. Like, now we have to get poverty back. Should we voice her
2: right now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think she's as glued to her phone. I don't. Think also, she's to be honest to with you,
2: I'm the wrong person for this because I don't remember yeah that circumstance well enough to to pack it maybe when we have let's put a bookmark in it and when we have poverty back, i have a feeling we'll have poverty back sooner rather than later um should we see if she wants to just be the third co-host i mean i would love that i do think there's a world in which it's like we have her on like somewhat regularly
1: yeah i think like it's kind of wild because i like i I shared the parvati interview on reddit and like the comments were psychotic that we got where it was like and they were getting like upvoted like big big news i'm never posting on reddit again because they were like parvati clearly felt so uncomfortable in that interview you guys were every question was so leading it was like why don't you let her have her own thoughts on the new era instead of like you clearly don't like it and you're trying to convince her that you don't like it like you want to know the gag here's some tea for drop your bus listeners parvati stopped watching survivor 43 she specifically didn't want to watch it she watched the first few episodes and she stopped and you know why she restarted and caught up because we asked her to come on the podcast and talk about it she only watched it to come talk to us because she already decided she didn't want to watch it so how about that how about that Reddit? how about that how about that And I'm sorry that she called men mediocre, but it's the truth.
2: Also, you all, if you're fans of Survivor, you know that Parvati Shallow, of all people, is not going to be swayed to feel any type of way by these two little F words. Like, that's ridiculous.
1: Okay, so we're going to ask Parvati this question next time we talk to her. I actually have a box of t-shirts to send to Parvati because I am following up. She is going to sign t-shirts and we're going to give some away.
2: Well, I feel like we might be able to get two signatures
1: on those t-shirts. Well, I'm hoping, but yeah.
2: Could be three. I mean, Sari sees my DMs, but she does not respond.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sari is not. Like, we have the benefit of Natalie and Parvati being in LA together. Right. Like, we're not shipping these to Suri. Sorry. So she sees them, eh? She sees we need to them. call in a favor to get Siri on the podcast. Okay, let's go to the next question.
5: Hi, Sean and Evan. Love the pod. I'm Dani from Puerto Rico. And I was listening to Survivor Historians the other day. And I just want to get your opinion about the purple rock draw. Like, what did you guys think of it when, like, it showed up? And, like, what is your guy's stance on it now?
1: Purple rock draw. You know what's funny? It's a complicated question because it's so it's so ingrained in Survivor sort of play gameplay at this point. But I don't love it. I don't love it. There's certain mechanics about how it works that I've never loved, which is that specifically that the two people who are tied are suddenly immune from the rock draw. I don't like that. Yeah, um, I don't know why they're so worried about having ties and that they're trying to dissuade them so much by making it um, somebody goes home on complete chance that was never actually a target to go home. I don't think that that's like a very useful tool to have in the game. Right.
2: I don't love it, but at least they have the option to not go to that. I think it's more of meant as a threat from producers to be like, We don't want a rock draw situation. We want you to change your vote.
1: Yeah, they did change that though. Didn't they in Game Changers say if there is any tie vote, it immediately goes to a rock draw? I'm not sure. I can't remember how they did that.
2: You know what's funny? I thought the question was going to be asking our thoughts about Survivor Historians at first. And I was like, well, pull up a chair. Um, I don't have really strong opinions about the Purple Rock. I think that... I guess my question would be, like, volleyed back would be to say, like, what is a better solution? I get what you're saying, Sean, which is that, like, yeah. why couldn't the two people who were up for elimination be contenders in the Purple Rock draw? That makes total sense to me. Um, but I don't hate the idea of, like, if we can't come to an agreement, there needs to be something that comes in and it's not necessarily going to be able to be fair because we tried going the fair way and we weren't able to get anywhere with that. So I can understand why why they... Use it.
1: Yeah, I don't know that there is a better. I really did like in season two when things were a lot simpler that it went back to previous votes. But now previous votes are so complicated. Right. So many reasons to vote for somebody that are not necessarily to get them out. Uh, but I do wish there was something else in the game that would be a consequence. Um, but I do like the question. Though I'm going to think about that.
2: Thoughts on Survivor historians? Just kidding.
1: I like Survivor. No, historians. I usually do. I really
2: like Survivor historians. Like I have a lot of thoughts about it, but not, I didn't mean that like in a shady way. I just, I love how okay. love survivor historians, I think survivor historians, because I think I found historians before you and I like really started connecting. And I don't think I would like survivor as much as I do had it not been for historians. Yeah.
1: I mean, I told you about historians. You did? Yeah. Oh, so we were talking at that point. We were, it was just like very intermittently. And I was like, I remember sending it to you and I was like, I don't, I, he's gonna think I'm a freak for sending him these four hour long podcasts. And then little, but you know, I was like, I was like, just like just in case you're interested. So wait. there's this podcast, and then suddenly, like months later, you're like, so I was on, you know, like episode 18 of Survivor Historians, and I was like, oh, so you've been listening. So wait, do you remember when
2: we? So you and I first started voice memoing about was it The View? That was
1: the beginning. <laughs> You want to tell the origin story? Please. I don't. I don't yeah. know if you even remember the origin story. Oh my god!
2: <laughs> I think I do. Uh,
1: so it was when I called you out for copying my video, "The Lupita of Huntsman." Oh, and Lupita. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, no. Let's so talk that's about. where this all came from. Which, like, I I have to say, it's like credit to you because um, other people, and certainly it has happened, would respond to that with a block. Where, like, actually, so what happened was, like, I edited this video for Deja the View where it was like, I just cut something out to make the video have more punch. And I put that on Twitter. Anybody would see that and think it's just a clip from The View, but actually, it was my edit from The View. And then you posted it, and then somebody else posted it. Who is the. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, His name's like B Boy or something. Oh, Pet Shop Boy, B Greater. That's it. Okay, yeah. So he posted it too. And somebody sent it to me just as like an LOL that he posted it. I know. And I was like, oh, this guy has a lot of followers, like, whatever. It's kind of annoying. And then I'm like going through all of this stuff. I'm like, oh, these are just all stolen memes with no credit. And like, I get that, like, and at that point, you had also interacted with Deja the View a lot and like reposted, like you were actually very influential in helping Deja the View grow, I think, certainly on social media. And so like, I didn't really hold it against you because it was like, I get that this is a mistake that could happen, but then I saw this other guy and I was like, well, he, his, his whole thing is literally stealing memes. So then I just like posted because this was going viral on other people's things and not on mine. So I was like, hey, if you liked <laughs> these, it was so like aggressive that I did that. So I tagged both you and him. And I was like, if you liked this on their pages, you'll love to follow Deja The View. And it was like the responses I got were so different. Where you were like, "Oh my god!" And then you like posted a story, and you were like, "Oh, this was like so well edited by my friends at Deja the View." Blah blah blah. blah. And then the other guy was like, "Fuck you!" Like that's a clip that was going around. And I'm like, actually, it literally wasn't. By the time you posted it, it had like a hundred views on Twitter. And he's like, "Well, that was on the view." And I was like, "No, I edited that." And he was like very combative. And then he was like, "Well, fuck you, man!" and blocked me. And I was like, so it blocked him on Twitter. Blocked him on Instagram, can't. So he, he was not able to steal any more digital view content. Um, but I was like, oh, those 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 reactions were night and day, and that's how we first started talking, actually. And I was like, oh, I really respect that that huh. you could have said fuck you, like it didn't matter to you.
2: No, it, that kind of um, stuff does matter to me. And can I just say for the record, I did not know that I was stealing anything in the beginning. I know. But not for I, nothing, I, I did rip it from Deja the View thinking, oh, they had ripped it from the View. I was yeah. like, I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my, but no, I actually, I try to be really conscious about, I first of all, I never steal content on purpose, but it does happen, right? Like, especially mm-hmm. when you have a big platform, you can find something that's gone, that's pre-viral, essentially, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can find a clip that you know is going to blow up. And you can be the one that amplifies it. But in your case, no. I mean, I give you a lot of credit, Tron, because so many of the clips that you have done for Deja, the reason they hit is because of the way you zoom. Like, you have a real skill set with that. So anyway, that's <laughs> funny. To, so, okay, so it started with that. So that
1: that was the origin. That, okay. Like, that's how we started talking. And then you shortly thereafter came on to Deja the View as a guest, Right, mm-hmm. right, right when the pandemic was starting. Mm-hmm. And so I was on and you were on. And then it was after that we started chatting. And it was like weeks after that maybe that you tweeted like i'm starting to watch survivor and you were starting with pearl islands and you were saying what order should i watch them in and i messaged you because we had just been talking and i was like i'm a really big survivor fan i think you should start from the beginning if you don't want to i can give you the list that you should watch in order of which ones you can skip etc and then because of that you started to just talk me through every season that you watch and that's how it all started (laughs) And that's when I sent you Survivor Historian. Was
2: I talking with you or at you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you were talking with me.
2: Um, wow, I love that we just did a little bit of our origin story here.
1: Yeah. And then it was when it came to China and Courtney, and that you had messaged Courtney, that we talked about, well, we should have a podcast. Because we should talk to Courtney. That's That was like the genesis of Drop Your Buffs. Sean, was your Twitter account suspended? My old one, yeah, we've been through this multiple times. <laughs> so wait, but I, so I can't find your. You want underscore s zero dubhub. But I'm trying to
2: find our old d our old.
1: Yeah, it's it's gone. It's long gone. My Twitter account got suspended because I tweeted a clip from the Little Mix Black Magic music video.
2: I posted fully, a clip fully from, suspended. Um, I posted a Little Mix clip on my Instagram that got taken down. They really.
1: I've had ones taken down, but that one was like the final straw. So I've never posted music again on my Inst- on my Twitter. Mm. It's actually very annoying.
2: All right, well, I love our... And
1: Elon Musk is giving everybody his Twitter account back, but Soda Pop is not back, so... So... <laughs> Let's talk about that. Okay, can we move on to the next question?
5: I guess. Hey, Sean and Evan. This is Jessica from California, and my question is about underwear. I could probably look it up. But I don't know why on Survivor they started wearing underwear instead of bathing suits. And I find it really gross. I hate seeing the women in their underwear. I feel like it's really demeaning in a way. And then the men are all flippy-flapping around. I don't really need to see that either. No offense. But why? Why, why, why? Why underwear?
2: Well... I don't know why either. I don't know if it's demeaning that the women are wearing the underwear. if they. I think it kind of is. I think it depends on getting their perspective on it because in theory, if they didn't, if they wanted to have their clothing on, they could. I mean, like they are choosing to wear their underwear. Now, granted their options are limited. I don't know. I think there's so many there.
1: Okay. So and a lot men... of players have talked about this. Uh-huh. Uh, and the the genesis for this actually comes from Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry suggested to Jeff Probst that having bathing suits on the island took you out of the illusion of them surviving on a desert island, which is so stupid. And so in Tyler Perry's defense, he has said that his intention with that was not to force them to wear underwear, but to instead sort of like rough up the swimwear a little bit, make it look a little more worn. Um, other players have talked about this Parvati made a lot of headlines back in 2020 talking about this saying that she felt it was demeaning and that it was so unsanitary that all you get is one pair of underwear like Lauren Ashley Beck talked about it as well and that players have had severe UTIs as a result of it Um, because when you had a bathing suit and a pair of underwear you could alternate between them and let them dry out um so yeah there's been like a lot of conversation from women on survivor talking about how unsanitary it was how unnecessary it was and the the health risks that it posed Uh, lauren ashley beck also said something about how she had her underwear and they made her like rub it in the dirt so it looked more worn so anyways i i do think it's like kind of unnecessary i don't mind seeing the men in their underwear but from the women's perspective like i i do think that like it's a little much and like that it's been a conscious decision to not give them a bathing suit i think is i i don't really see the logic behind it so i thought it was interesting that this came up i think andrea has talked about this as well okay Hey Sean and presumably hey Evan, um, I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on the early season's obsession with having tribe leaders and particularly Jeff's obsession with having tribe leaders and how they would decide. It was always a tricky thing for tribe members because everyone was afraid to be a leader but they thought they needed one for the tribe. Anyway, I always found it so fascinating to watch. Because uh, to me, it's so stupid. Um, but to see the culture back then it's very interesting. Were there rumors going around that I was going to fire you? I don't know.
2: Do you know something?
1: Well, let, let I think sometimes th- people send me like, hey, Sean, because they know I'm on the Instagram.
2: Uh-huh.
1: You know what I mean? It might have been more of an Instagram thing. I don't know that this this is an older one. Like, I don't know that he thought that this was going to be put in a mailbag <clears> or well, what. Let the but presumably here we struck.
2: Are. Um, I have no strong opinions about it. I think that the great thing about the leader role is that there's autonomy, like anyone can be the leader, anyone can step up. I really liked how they did it on the Traders UK, where it was like, from the get-go, it was like, line up in order of who you think is going to win the game versus who you think is going to lose. And I like that idea of people revealing whether or not they see themselves, because in that sense, it was winner versus loser. But basically, I think you could also read that as leaders versus followers. And, uh, I like the idea of people having to come out from the get go and be like, I see, and also how people see themselves versus how they're perceived. Um, I like the idea of choosing leaders because I think this is a game in which leaders go home a lot. So it's not like you're at any real advantage by asserting yourself as a
1: leader. Yeah, I really liked this. It's not something I necessarily miss from the show, but I do like it in that era that they were always forced to choose a leader. And usually because the leader did go home once they eventually fucked up, and usually the leader was like an alpha male, so I didn't mind that. Um, And so, you know, it was nice for them to have somebody to finger point at. I think it did cause more camp drama, and it was like uh, a forced but organic way to cause drama, if that makes sense.
6: So... Yeah, I, I kinda miss those days. Hey Sean and Evan, this is Evan calling from Berlin. I've been thinking a lot recently about what feels so off about the edit in Survivor recently. And it's something that I've noticed in actually a lot of other reality competition shows, which is an over-reliance on confessionals to drive the story forward and much less of an emphasis on conversations, character moments, uh, moments at camp. You guys have talked about this a lot, but I'm sort of wondering why you think this is. Is it just overproduction? Is it maybe the contestants being a little bit too self-aware that they're on TV or afraid of sort of social media backlash or keeping their cards close to their chest to not rock the boat in their game? I thought this was especially clear with the final sort of conversations between Carla and Cassidy which I thought were so interesting. Would have loved to have seen the extended director's cut of those. instead of just confessionals so wondering what you guys think about that
2: i just think it's easier for them to tell the story in the confessionals because they can literally give the contestants a prompt that says can you speak to this thing and there's no like there's no ambiguity and i know i think a lot of drop your buffs listeners we like the ambiguity right we like the being able to see the fact that not everything is black and white but i think from a production perspective they like things to be more blatant. I will say this. I did was listening to a podcast recently uh, where someone had worked on one of the recent seasons of the real housewives of Salt Lake city. And they talked about the fact that, I mean, allegedly they say that all of the confessionals on the real housewives of Salt Lake city are given to the women. They are told what to say. And I'm not saying the same is true necessarily on survivor, but there's a way in which you can ask a question uh, in a leading way. You know, is that, Unique to Survivor, so I think that the producers probably see the confessionals as a way to better tell the story that they want to tell about the season, and especially with a show that has earned so much backlash over the years due to certain characters, certain story arcs, lack of representation, etc. There's a mindfulness from them, especially too, right, about like wanting to show the winner. Look at what happened uh, to uh, Erica. I had to think of her name on 41. So I think there's just the ability they see to better tell the story that they want to tell.
1: I agree.
7: Hi, Sean and Evan. It's Katie from Atlanta obsessed with your podcast, obsessed with you guys. Um, Pause the mailbag episode when you're talking about replacing Jeff Um, made me think of the bachelor and obviously they had Chris Harrison who's from the very beginning who's sort of iconic seemed to be fundamental to the whole series but turns out he's not um just how I think Jeff is not so i think you could possibly what they did in the bachelors replaced him with two hosts two former female contestants their chemistry was amazing i thought it worked really well and so it made me think of possibly having two hosts for survivor and you talked about some dynamics in terms of running tribal, running challenges, et cetera. And so you could get people of different strengths and who have really good chemistry together. I personally think Parvati is a great choice, but not sure who another would be. Love to hear your thoughts on that idea. Love you guys.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one. I mean, we kind of talked about this as potential of Jonathan and Jeff co-hosting a season of Australia versus America. But in the event that Jeff goes, for whatever reason,
2: goes I off the think, show survivor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Not like off the planet. No, I know, I'm just I'm just clarifying. Okay. I'm off this living plane. Yeah, I do think there's options. It, it it would be interesting to see them play with the format, but it's just a little tricky because yeah, we've got some former survivor contestants who are poster boys and girls of the show but i don't know that they would necessarily make for great hosts and i feel like their their immediate go-to would be boston rob unfortunately and while i think he could host the show would he be a good host of the show i don't know would sandra be a good host i don't really think so i think parvati could do it i think that jerry could do it even i think tyson could do it i just don't want to see him do it um any thoughts
2: I mean, I also think Rob Sestronino could do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he could, yeah. I think
2: he could. I think he knows how to host. I think yeah, he yeah. has a fan. He, he can
1: ask questions, yeah.
2: And I think it would be cool to try and bridge the gap between Survivor the Show and Survivor the podcast fan universe in a more, you know,
1: organic way. Yeah.
2: You know, being able to have the host of the show then go and do the podcast interviews.
1: Yeah, I do think they are missing the world of, like, the after show, which they they tried out a little bit. And I think they had Parvati hosting the after show for a couple seasons there, Cagarin and another one, San Juan del Sur, maybe. Um, but it just never really took off. But I think that they could explore that area again. And it, like that's where you get the sort of natural progression of, like, okay, the host of that thing has put in their time and can become the host of the main thing.
7: Hi, Sean and Evan. It's Katie from Atlanta. This is um, a message for a mailbag episode. Um, I recently watched two seasons I've never seen before, Moen and Fiji. Um, and I was really struck by the vile nature of those final tribal councils for, you know, different reasons. Um, I don't think I need to go into that. But it made me, you know, wonder what you know, in y'all's opinion, do you think are some of the best final tribal council? You no, know, I think questions by jury, you know, what's the best examples of the way to do it? And then maybe what are some of the worst examples? I think those two definitely go up there, but curious to know your thoughts. Thanks.
2: I love this question. Um, I'm really interested in I mean, I think you and I share that opinion of missing the idea that each person is able to stand up there and ask a question, or in some cases, make a comment. I think one question that gets asked sometimes that I really like is the person gets up there and says, I saw you this way in the game. Can you explain to me how I saw it wrong? Right? Like, I saw it this way, but show me in your mind how it wasn't that it was the opposite or something entirely different altogether. I like when a juror is in their convictions when they go up there about like you did this, this, and this, but also willing to be proven wrong or proven differently.
1: Yeah, I wish that I could point specifically to final tribals that I really liked. I think it's easier to remember the ones that turned me off. Like a bone comes to mind. In addition to the ones that you mentioned, um, but. Yeah, I do think there's something to the individual questions. And I think there are individual questions that are really good. And I think those are sort of like, um, usually I'm a a little bit annoyed immediately or immediately turned off by the question of like, well, what happened when I was voted out? But actually that can lead to a pretty good answer where someone is able to illuminate their strategy and how they were in the know and how they made the decision to uh, contribute to somebody's boot. Um, and so I, I really like those really specific questions that f- narrow in on a specific move and then how that move was actually played out. Um, actually, we did see that in 43 and that helped Gabler win, I think, unfortunately. Um, but those are the kinds of things I like. But I also live for like the, the, the juicy... Like interpersonal questions as well, because that does get to a really important aspect of gameplay, which is that social piece and the relationships that you've built and how people feel about you ultimately. And I do think there's examples of people being able to win people over in those moments or change their minds. Um, so I would really like to do an episode about final tribals and like countdown maybe like best and worst or, or sort of like best and worst speeches uh because i think there's so much to dig into here and and often to be completely honest like i'm not a big finale guy like i don't really watch survivor for the final tribals and so like a lot of it escapes me i have to kind of revisit it to uh to to refresh my memory um, so i would like to do that at some point okay let's move into some white lotus questions Hi, Evan and Sean. This is Joe from Quebec,
8: and I have to say, ever since your thesis about Mike White's time on Survivor being extremely foundational to the White Lotus, I've just been obsessed with comparing the two ever since that conversation. And one thing I'd like to bring up today is the fucking song titles, the theme songs for each one of these shows being so iconic between Renaissance for the White Lotus and Ancient Voices for Survivor. how did both of these shows end up with such iconic songs that I love so much and admittedly have shed tears to while listening to uh, while driving in the car and just getting emotional for whatever reason? Even the White Lotus song, like there's not even nostalgia attached to it. I just get emotional.
1: Do you want to share what you discovered exclusively on the Patreon with with the main feed. Okay,
2: so you're aligned with me though that like there is maybe something there. I'm not saying it's oh, like there's something there. Okay. Wait, so you I, okay. I'm not
1: I'm not saying there's plagiarism, but there's no, something No, 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 but
2: what had happened in the moment, I couldn't tell if you thought I was crazy. <laughs> so we were we're recapping episodes ten and eleven of season one Borneo for our Patreon. Um patreon.com forward slash drop your buffs. Is that right? <laughs> Good one. Um and I discovered a musical cube midway through the episode that is the
8: it will not be my choice, but that's his, and he's free to make that.
2: Which, obviously, for White Lotus heads, they know that is a motif that is featured prominently in the White Lotus that appears in season one of Survivor, which is crazy. Um, the only other thing I will add, yes, obviously we love both these theme songs. I will say I'm like a lover of television theme songs. I mean, I think about six feet under as one of my all time favorites. I even think about the sex in the city theme song, obviously, um, people love the succession theme song, Buffy, the vampire slayer charmed. So while I love both of these theme songs a lot, I also just like love the genre of television theme songs.
1: Yeah, totally agreed. I think like it, it these two are interesting to pair together because they sort of have this like tribal sort of aspect to them. And I feel like White Lotus is like the evolution of the Survivor theme song where it's like, you know, it's made more current in a way.
2: If we, not if, when we get Mike White on, when we get Mike White on the pod, I at the very least like to play that for him because I actually, I don't believe it's conscious, but I would be, I would love his reaction to it. Maybe that's oh, yeah, what i going to think that. that
1: we're accusing him of plagiarism, but we're not. No. Okay,
6: let's go to the next question.
1: Again, not a question, just a statement.
6: Hey, Sean and Evan, this is Jed from Pasadena, California. I just want to congratulate you both on a hard work in reviewing Survivor. I know season 43 has been tough. Well, it is what it is. We're, I'm waiting for the next season to be... Surprisingly good, hopefully. But anyway, a, a, a white lotus. Why is no one addressing that scene where, uh, whatever that handsome guy talked to Ethan about? I want to be inside you. Everyone just gloss over that. Okay. Do you have
1: any thoughts on that?
2: I do. I'm really glad this was brought up because I feel like it was, it sort of made the rounds on social, but there wasn't a lot of dissection as to what it meant. And obviously there's those moments that take place in the third episode when they're in bed with Lucia and Mia, where Ethan kisses, no, excuse me, Cameron kisses Ethan on the cheek. Um, and yeah, and there are just some general, and obviously you have the, the big fight in the water and the finale, which is deeply, you know, homoerotic. Um, Yeah, I I don't really have much to say about it besides the fact of like, yes, I noticed it too. More than anything, I'd love to discuss it with either of the actors or with Mike to like get more into that. But part of me thinks too, there's just like that idea of two straight men that just have a lot of chemistry together. And I can't, I'm I'm curious if, if that was stuff was in the script or if it was stuff that was inserted while they filmed. But yeah, I... I liked it. I wanted more of it, but I appreciate more that we can fan fiction about it. I didn't necessarily need it to go to a gay place in the show itself.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that it was meant by the character as a gay thing. In fact, I think it might've been the opposite where straight guys, like one of their hilarious jokes is pretending to be gay or, or insinuating that the other person might be gay. I feel like that's the vibe. And I feel like, uh, Cameron may be that kind of guy and so I felt like it fit with the character but then you did have these moments like you say with like the kisses on the cheek and there were like three kisses on the cheek during the party with me and Lucia so uh, I mean I appreciate it uh a little bit of a, a left out of left field for like a morning after but I feel like he was just trying to make light of the situation okay another one Not a question, more of a comment, but you may want to weigh in on this one as well.
7: I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but I liked the way White Lotus ended. Obviously, I would have chosen to have Jennifer Coolidge be in 500 more seasons, but I think it was really good. And Evan Ross Katz has the best content. And I am still deeply disturbed by the socks that Albie wears. Every single time. Yeah, I
1: thought you might want to comment on the socks. I'm we uh, disturbed. I'm so into it. I think
2: it's so practical. I love the idea of like a hot naked man with just like ankle high white socks.
1: I'm into <laughs> it. What what was disturbing? I mean, like about? I didn't think. Yeah, I, I I certainly didn't think it was disturbing. I also didn't think it was like necessarily worth pointing out. I do. <laughs> is it unusual for people to wear socks in an intimate moment
2: no but i think it's like you just don't get a visual like that a lot i mean first Mm. of all we don't get a lot of naked men on television period Mm -hmm. let alone ones as hot as um albie and then i just think it was for me and i think for many people we just picked up on the fact that it was a
1: deliberate choice Mm. it's very albie i think it's very albie i too am a sock wearer okay let's go to the next question
7: (laughs) Hi, Drop Your Buffs. Uh, my name is McLaren, a longtime listener. I love you guys. Um, I am starting my mailbag entry here. Um, and you did mention you would discuss White Lotus, possibly. So if you had to pick one per- character from each season of White Lotus so far to play Survivor, who would you pick? Who would you pick? Yeah, that's it. Thank you.
2: Great. Thank you for including season one in the question, McLaren. Mm-hmm. Definitely would go with Nicole um, uh, from season one. I just feel like Nicole is one of our favorite archetypes on a show like Survivor. And, you know, we're always about to- Can you describe
1: Nicole for those of us who don't? Uh,
2: Connie Britton. Okay, so I would love to see Nicole Mossbacher play on the show. I love the idea of, like, this, like, really successful girl boss CEO coming on and doing Survivor. And I actually think Nicole would be one of those people who was seemingly a fish out of water, but would actually adapt really, really well. And I just could see you and I- calling her mother from episode one Mm -hmm. and really really Mm -hmm. rooting for her and then for season two who i would be interested in seeing would probably be dominic really yeah just because i feel like he's most in need of like the spiritual rebirth that a show like survivor can bring about
1: okay not like our typical favorite player
2: i know but you know me it's like i'm not gonna go for the obvious.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I will. So I would love <laughs> to see Daphne play Survivor. I think there's been a lot of, a lot of discourse about Daphne as a potential Survivor player. But uh, having said that, like if it came would down to think- like who would I really want to see play, I mean, it's Valentina. Right.
2: I also don't think Daphne could go very far because I think that... Part of the reason why we all love Daphne so much is that you can see that there's so much going on in those those yeah. the you know her uh, faceography if you will, and I feel like that's a disadvantage in a game like Survivor. Obviously, you don't know what's going on in Daphne's head, but you know the wheels are turning. So I feel like Daphne would not do well on Survivor, despite the fact that yes, I too would want to see her on it.
1: No, but I think she would turn that off. I think she knows when she's turning that on and off. Every time that we've seen it, it's been very deliberate that the other person understands that there is this going on in her head. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she can just like sit there at breakfast and look like a complete airhead. I think that's the true power of Daphne. Tea? Like she, she does nothing by accident. Like when she is revealing something to somebody and she's doing the faceography, she's doing it so the other person sees that she's doing it. I feel like that's a very powerful skill to have on Survivor. I would also love to see... What's her name? Aubrey Plaza. Harper? Mm. Yes, I'd love to see Harper. I I would love to see Ethan on Survivor just so he'd be, like, kind of shirtless all the time. Or with the shirt on in the water. Or that. Or that. I would love to see Belinda from Season 1 play Survivor because I think she can sort of, like, knows how to please people. Yeah. she can play people well and she might be able to go far and i just want to see her win okay let's get to some traders questions before we wrap this up
3: hey guys this is callan from winnipeg so as per sean's request uh, my question is about the traders uk i just finished it yesterday and i loved it so much it had such an amazing cast and just a really fresh format that produced so much paranoia and just great tv Uh, I can't really think of any other whodunit-style reality shows where you know who the deceiver is through the process. I know part of the fun of the mole is guessing who the mole is each episode, but this was arguably almost more fun, I found, watching the traitors stress out and ultimately deceive each other kind of out of paranoia. Um, So I'd love to hear your general thoughts on the show and your favorite characters, but Would also love to hear what you thought of coming from the perspective of watching the so-called villain's journey of deception and if you think it worked well.
1: Thanks. So where are you at in The Traders, Evan? I just finished episode three.
3: Okay, so you're early on. So we're not gonna have
1: like a spoiler-filled conversation here. For anybody who has not watched it or you've been hearing about it and you would like to watch it, the whole thing is on YouTube. Just search The Traders UK I think it's one of the first videos that pops up where you can type in S-O-1 e one You will find it, and that channel has every episode. It's so worth it. It's such a fun time. But I do really like this idea of uh, having being in on the traders sort of thought process. It definitely does sort of like, I think, skew the edit more towards the traders. And sometimes you do want to see other people uh, featured more prominently, but it is a little bit of a shake up in terms of the format that we're used to. And what I like about it is that you can root for both the traders and the faithful simultaneously, where in the mole, you're kind of like root you're rooting against the mole and you're hoping that you can figure out mm-hmm. who the mole is. And you're hoping that, um, although you want to see them do some sabotage, it's ultimately so that you can figure it out. And so that the players can figure it out where here you're like, Oh, I actually want the traders to get away with it this time right. or this time. I don't.
2: Yeah, I definitely, I appreciate the change up in format because it makes you realize how many shows just stick to the same old format. Um, I do think there could have been a little bit more mindfulness around who they chose as the traders um, just because I'm not particularly into all three of the traders as just human beings that I would be interested in spending a lot of time with and, um, and it's a bummer to me because there are so there are several people in the cast that I really wish were traitors because um, of who I'm so intrigued by. And I would love the reassurance that they're likely not going home soon. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely into it.
1: Who of the traders do you not want to spend time with?
2: I would say most all three of them are not I'm not overly hyped on. I But I do think the mistake of the three of them is the older woman.
1: You are—you have never been more wrong, and you've been wrong a lot on this podcast. Hey, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. No, I have. <laughs> Amanda is an icon.
2: Okay, well, I'm hoping she steps it up
1: because Let's right say now, nothing Andrea, of her is gameplay my or how she does or how anybody else does, Amanda is an icon. She's a gay icon. She is mother. She's the blueprint. We okay,
2: step. I just like—I hope that that is true. Well, re- I'm well, gonna revisit this comment.
1: It is true. Okay. Okay. Hey Sean and Evan, my name is Eric from Toronto. Uh, thank you for all the Survivor content.
2: My question today is actually about the Traders UK, which I'm desperate to discuss. Um, I I'm, imagine a season two is bound to happen and imminent, Um, But I'm curious what you think about a season two or going from a season one to a season two, um, you know, the season one cast was just magical and had so much innocence. And I wonder if any of that will get lost or if they'll be able to kind of like recapture that magic, um, you know, now that people understand maybe the gameplay and how it works or things to look for um, now that that's kind of like known And if it will change the gameplay in season two, or if it will be able to evolve and still be as captivating. Uh, Thank you. And I just wanted to say I am 100% faithful.
1: Okay, so we can't go too much into the gameplay, obviously, because you haven't seen a lot of it play out. And I I think one of the early things you said to me was that one thing you weren't so sure about was that there's not a lot of strategy to be had in this game. From what I had seen. And I think that that's true, more or less. Um, there is some strategy. It's more so on the trader's part, right? But even like but when I was watching, say-
2: like this last episode, when they're all around the table, and then like they were going really hard for Imran, and I'm like, what is like, why? Like, what is? What are we going off of here? <laughs> like a vibe?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really interesting because I think it's just like a a hurt mentality, right. Where it's like somebody says something, and it's not me. It's very a Sandra approach, where it's like, it's not me. I'll jump on that. Um, but I think there's ways to get out of that. I think there's ways to throw suspicion on other people. Um, but ultimately you're trying to throw suspicion on a traitor. Like that's what I like about it. It's like, whereas the mole, people are trying to get you to think that you're the mole. And so everybody's playing this game of like semi sabotage. Here you're really trying to get rid of the saboteurs. And, uh, that's really hard to do when they have an incentive also to win the challenge. And so it's like, What are we basing this on? And so that I like that it comes down to like personal reasons. Like that's at the heart of the show is like it comes down to like interpersonal things. And that can get really messy. But the one thing that I would say they need to focus on changing is is the way that they reveal who is murdered, because we find out with the contestants as people are walking into the breakfast room. And it's like ultimately, and and you'll start to notice this, Evan, that it's the people who the traitors are weighing up as potential murder victims Um, you always get the the last couple who come into the room are like the other possibilities that they didn't murder but but they were up for contention that's got to change now that they've seen the show because for all they know on the tv show it was going to be like a big scene where the person Mm -hmm. gets murdered we know before breakfast but now that they know that that works it's like if i'm the last person coming in the room i'm like oh shit i'm in trouble and for the and from the trader's perspective it's like well, we don't want them all to know who we were considering so that's the only thing i think really needs to change um but ultimately i think it's going to be tricky to recreate the cast uh because this cast is magical i think but just seeing how many great big brother uk casts which this really reminds me of that that they had in a row i I think it's doable what makes me really excited about this is that survivor uk will also be on the bbc and i'm hoping that they take a similar approach to the casting because this really felt like old school reality show casting and i would love to see like i would just transplant this whole cast to survivor uk because i'd love to see that
2: get andrea on that beach
1: okay
8: Hello, Evan. Hello, Sean. And uh just want a special thanks to you guys for mentioning that The Traders exists because I went on a serious binge and also forced many of my friends to go on that ride with me. Um, and it's been so gaggy and fun. And uh, of course, we all might know by now that uh, there is going to be a US version hosted by Alan Cumming. And I obviously could not hold myself back from checking out the leaked cast and Suri motherfucking fields is on it i'm so excited for Suri. um what are we thinking what are our thoughts is the best player to never to have never won the game going to win
1: the traders okay so we're gonna get sari fields and we're gonna get stephanie Lagrosa. who i'm more excited about stephanie to be totally honest with yeah. you I mean, it's Um,
2: so hard to say it. You really can't make predictions because I think I talked about this on the Patreon. But this is really the multiverse of madness here because we're getting real housewives. We're getting the Bravo universe intersecting with the Paramount Plus universe. And so I think that there are people, people's idea of gameplay is going to be very, very different.
1: Totally, totally. And then you have all these newbies, which I don't know how that's going to play into it. Yeah, I'm ignoring them. Just just having seen Stephanie LaGrosa recently on Snake in the Grass, I just feel like, wow, her star is shining bright, and I can't wait to see her in this format. Okay, let's leave on this one last fun question. It's not a question, it's more of a statement.
7: Hi Sean, um, I just wanted to let you know that the way I sing along with the podcast theme song, like I am in the club every single time, and it gets stuck in my head, just a phenomenal intro. I, I love it.
1: I just wanted to play this so that I could shout out my boyfriend, Cody Ooh. Lee Curtis.
2: I think this is the first time on this podcast you've mentioned your boyfriend.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Trying to keep my options open, you know. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah my boyfriend uh, made that theme song. I think even better than our regular theme song is our Australian Survivor theme song which like really bangs hard. It's just kind of a remix on the original, but with Jonathan's voice instead of Jeff's voice. And uh, yeah, I, I think he did a great job of that. If you like that, you should check out his other music on Spotify. Cody the Curtis.
2: Would we want to do an episode uh, in the new year with our boyfriends, the four of us? <laughs> <laughs> like what? Just laughter. Talking no about answer. what? <laughs> well, because Billy really <laughs> wants to come on the podcast and talk about Survivor. Well,
1: I didn't know that. Oh Yeah. But does Cody watch
2: yeah.
1: Survivor? Uh, he's watched what I've forced him to watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be. Actually, fun. he keeps, he, he sometimes mentions, like, well, I'll, I'll be like, oh, well, Evan's not available, so I have to find a, a guest co host. And he'll be like, well, I'll do it. I'm like, well, you don't watch Survivor. So um, he doesn't watch Modern Survivor. Uh, we've been working our way through. I've been gi- I've been giving him basically the list that I threatened to give you, which was the like here's the seasons you can skip. And now we're just jumping around the modern stuff. So right now we're on Second Chance, but um... I think
2: we could pick a specific episode and do a watch the forum. Oh, us.
1: like watch an episode. Yeah. Okay. Let's think about it. What if we just had Cody and Billy host?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Presumably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what.
2: It's when the when the caller said, hi, Sean, and presumably Evan. So I'm saying, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Presumably.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, let's leave it there. This was fun. Love a mailbag. It's going to become an annual tradition. Thank you so much for all of your great questions. Uh, we've got lots planned for the new year. We're in contact with some legends. As you've heard, even Evan is talking to Denise just this morning. And never heard back from Richard Hatch, did we? Not yet. Okay, well, that's too bad. If we do, I'm going to insert it later uh thank you so much for listening subscribe so you don't miss anything in the new year check us out on patreon patreon.com forward slash drop your buffs if you haven't gotten your merch yet go head over to DropYourBuffsPod.com and check out the merch okay see you next time bye bye